0: I'm Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, coming up, we'll wonder what the heck's going on with Chase Claypool, and we'll look ahead to another football game, this time three days sooner. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Jason, as you and I sit here on a Tuesday afternoon at 1230, Chase Claypool is still a bear, but kind of in name only. They told him not to bother showing up. It would stun both of us if he ever played again. And the question now becomes, uh, is this going to be a quickie divorce? Is this going to be a, a, how, how do you get, how quickly do they get rid of him and how do they do it?
1: It's over now. So whether he gets waived or traded or whenever that takes place, that may have already happened by the time you're listening to this. That's really just a formality at this point. Like I know of no situation like this where they then brought the guy back. This is clearly stay away while we figure out how to offload you. So I think, Pat, there's the timeline – could be a lot of different things. Like I said, it could be done by the. This could be finalized by the time you listen to this. But there would be logic for doing it Tuesday before the uh, 3 p.m. Central Time end of business day for the NFL because then you don't have to pay them a game check this week. There would be logic to doing it Thursday because if you're the Bears, maybe you hope that the game that night against Washington overshadows that. And there would be logic in waiting till Monday mm-hmm. because you want to see – you want to give teams time. You, you're hoping somebody will throw you a seventh-round pick here yeah. rather than just wave him and get nothing. So maybe somebody gets an injury mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend, and then suddenly, okay, it's worth it to them to gamble a seventh-round pick on Chase Claypool. But this is over. Yeah. He, he could not possibly play another down for the Bears after this. Like, the bridge
0: is burnt. And I think the most damning thing we can say about him, too, is that on the field, fundamentally, it, it's fine. It's He had been so unproductive. It's not even fine. I mean, yeah, it, it's a non-thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he was averaging, what, two catches a he's game? He's not missed.
1: He has 18 catches in 10 games as a bear.
0: And then he missed three others? I mean, yeah, he's he, he never established himself as a relevant football player in Chicago. Uh, I don't know a single Bears fan who cares that he's leaving other than in this context, he is a symbol of Ryan Pohl's most public failure. And it is because, you know, the one time, really the first time Pohl stuck his neck out to try to make his team better in the immediate term, he traded a second round pick. This is the first time we saw him go for building. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And And that wasn't a draft pick. This
1: is a brutal pick. Now, at the time, in fairness... That pick was, I think, like lower mid 40s. Yeah. Let's just be accurate about it. It ended up being number 32 overall because the Bears finished last in the NFL, and the Dolphins had a pick forfeited. How many
0: games have they won since they traded for Chase Claypool, Jason? He, he, Chase Claypool has never been part of a Bears win. He's never been on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He. I mean, zero. Well, yeah. me
1: Trying to re- regain where I was headed with that. So pick moves up because so the, this the is, Dolphins lose this their selection. You could see a scenario where Ryan Poles regrets that trade because he trades what ends up being, he didn't know at the time, but ends up being the 32nd overall pick for a guy who ends up just being kind of okay. Right. You know, they have Claypool, maybe they even extend him, and he just kind of ends up being this B-level wide receiver for a while. And you look back at that trade and you're like, nah, that didn't really work out. And whoever uh, the Steelers took at 32, the cornerback, Joey Porter Jr., he turns out to be an all-pro. You're like, nah, that one kind of stinks. This is so bad. This is so much worse than that. Right. If Imagine, like, you give up the 32nd overall pick and less than a calendar year later, this guy is out the door after 10 games. That is brutal. That is a brutal error for polls. And that move was celebrated at the time, mm-hmm. broadly. Right. Uh, the media liked it, and it was good to see them add. It was good to see them bring in a wide receiver. It was logical because the upcoming free agent class at wide receiver had very little in it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were red flags at the time. Sure. And there have been red flags on Chase Claypool going back to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest red flag of all, and we did say this at the time, Pat, this was in stuff we were writing at the time of the trade be careful thinking you know something that the Steelers don't because the Steelers are unloading this guy eagerly. He's young. He's so talented. He's had good seasons for them in their building. They've developed him. They spent a high pick on him, and they're ready. And then and, and they need wide receivers right. at the time. They're right. in a rebuild too, and they are ready to unload him for essentially a refund. Right. Just to get the pick back that they spent on him at the time—a second rounder—it wasn't like someone came in offering two firsts for Chase right. Claypool. They were happy to just get that second round pick back and be rid of him.
0: Oh. When they're doing that, yeah, you should be super cautious. Although there was a bit of a bidding war, I believe the the Packers Who were interested, the Packers? And, and the difference between that the, makes it even
1: worse though. Pat. I mean, well, you the, saved them from a mistake.
0: <laughs> well, and the difference between the Bears giving up their own pick and giving up uh, the Ravens pick that they had acquired a day earlier. Right, for is, is I mean, that that's gigantic, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, it's the difference of uh, 20 picks. And and in the moment, even in the moment, the way the Bears rationalized it was, look at the free agent market. Nobody good's going to be available this offseason. We need to get Justin help, and we need to get him veteran help, and we got to do it now. And at the time, remember, they are running out, Byron Pringle, Nikhil Harry, uh, uh, who else? Give me another uh, blast from the past. Uh, receivers who... Equinemius St. Brown. Oh, wait, uh, he's still he's here. Still here. Yeah. But they're running Dante out... Dante Pettis. Yeah, they're running out guys who uh, just weren't NFL caliber players. Out of practice. Well. So their rationale is, hey, we're not going to... We, we, we're we not going to have any more opportunities to get a receiver like this. We need to do it. And then as it turns out, because they never win another game, they end up with the number one pick. They end up with DJ Moore. I mean, having DJ Moore on their roster seemed impossible at the yeah. time. Or anybody kind of in that, you know, first two tiers of NFL-wide Well, receivers. that's
1: everything going according to plan, though. Because right. even at the time of getting Claypool, you got Claypool and Mooney. Right. You need somebody over the top of that, whether you're drafting or trading for or signing them. Right. So, on paper, that all went
0: the way that they would have wanted it to go. Sure. But, they, but in the moment they wouldn't have thought that they were going to have access to someone as good as D.J. Moore. Probably it not. took them losing no, right. their next 10 games yeah, to get there. Right. Um, and even had they wound up with the third pick or fourth pick, maybe they're not getting D.J. Moore. Maybe you know, uh, to give the Panthers the choice of who to draft, uh, the Panthers had to pay a premium for that. Regardless, it didn't work. Uh, to me, more alarming than it not working, because I think we've all seen this coming. Uh, more alarming is the, the way the Bears have handled it. Matt Eberflus had an opportunity on Monday to come out and be really declarative about why this guy who doesn't fit his vaunted hit system uh, was told to pack and go. And I think he could have done that and come off like a coach that appeared to be in control, a coach that acknowledges reality, which is a really important detail. And as someone who who could even sit there and point out, maybe it's not coincidental that our offense looked good without this guy out there. Maybe you say that. Maybe you give fans an excuse to believe that this is addition by subtraction. I think he could say that. I don't think a single person in Chicago would be upset about it. I think it would probably be, Jason, the best thing he'd ever done in the eyes of some fans is come out and just torched this dude who didn't fit in with them.
1: Not unnecessarily, not insultingly, but be very clear about what the problem
0: is. Yeah, and there's a way to say it by you know while still not disrespecting Ryan Pulse who brought him in. Yeah. You, know, you could sit there and say... We were aware of the of the concerns about him. We thought it was worth the you know, taking a chance. We did our best. Didn't work. Instead, he gets fired. What a baker's dozen of questions uh, that One he what, twenty maybe 20. and gives very few satisfying answers to the whole thing. I mean, to me, the the only I mean the, the only fact or the only time he went deeper than you know ankle level on this uh, was was when you said. I believe he told you like hey you got to be on time you got to be attentive you got to pay attention here and or, and you follow up with well did he not do that so those are the reasons right and then he wouldn't even answer that he's
1: kind of indirectly hemmed and hawed around saying yes this is the problem pet is this is a problem that predates Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles about the bears just mishandling things right. publicly mm-hmm uh, go, you know, the, the most recent time before the last like three scandals they've had in the two, in the last two weeks, last three controversies was the Matt Nagy patch.com report week where he was <laughs> allegedly pre-fired and like, they just, they sent out Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator as the first public face to address it. You cannot avoid problems. You cannot avoid embarrassing problems. Like, the, that happens to the Patriots. Right. Like, that's not... You're not going to get through life avoiding difficulties. Right. But what you want to see from an organization is clarity and authority. You want to see in those moments, this is being handled. Mm-hmm. And and people are put at ease by that. Like, we are on top of this. Right. And that is never what the Bears convey. Well,
0: well That and is then, not
1: what they've conveyed this
0: week. Well, and then what's what's strange about this, and maybe, maybe it's strange at other places, but it's not strange here is they have handled it privately they told them to get lost they just won't say it out loud like it, like maybe they convey and you wrote this maybe on the inside they're conveying a level of authority that does not reach the outside world but it needs to reach the outside world i mean and you know we don't need to re- repeat their record or repeat their scandals this month for that to be true that just should be true all the time
1: I mean, they've had so many embarrassments with all this. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields having to call a second press conference a couple weeks ago. Matt Eberflus, um, no commenting whether he even knows where Alan Williams is or has right. spoken to him. Right. Meanwhile, he's got his resignation in his inbox at the time. Right. And now this, like just dancing around. And, well, uh, we told Chase he had the choice of coming to the game or not right. and then having to send a PR guy 30 minutes later to say, well, Coach, didn't, coach got a little mixed up even though it was a, absolutely right. – Right. crystal clear line of questions and answers. No signal from him of actually being confused during any of it. And then all of the non-answers, I mean, there are going to be problems. You are going to hit snags. You're going to hit these unexpected rough patches if you are a professional sports organization. But
0: that's part of the job. You have to be able to handle that. And and again, I come back to this. Chase Claypool is not beloved in Chicago or maybe elsewhere, I would venture. There is telling him to pound sand is not a controversial opinion. It's, it's an easy win. It's an easy win
1: for the Bears yeah. to do that. You're right. Yeah, yeah. and it's and, an easy public relations win.
0: Yes, and uh, and the fact that it's not, that it hasn't been one, is, is crazy. Also, the fact that we're at minute twelve, Jason, talking about a scandal on an zero four team, uh, with about a guy that's not going to play. Yeah, about a guy who had no impact on whether or not they were good or bad in the last year. Uh, is is bizarre and it, also Justin Fields just had the best game he's ever had as a passer that's not the that's not item one being talked about in Chicago it's not item two it might be item three and I think it's worth wondering whether what he did against the Broncos uh, can be replicated Against a commander's defense that's 30, or what, they allow 30 points a game, the fourth most in the NFL.
1: That's what they're averaging right now, but... um, They played some good teams. They played the Bills, they played the Eagles. They just took the Eagles to overtime, which is like a better accomplishment than the Bears have had in the last how many years? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's better than some of the... They lost in overtime to the Eagles last week. That's better than any of the Bears' wins from last year, maybe? Oh, yeah. I mean, well... (laughs) I don't know, as far the, as a result, as the,
0: far as like... The 49ers turned out to be pretty good. And the Bears beat yeah. them in week one in a monsoon. In a slosh fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right.
1: I mean, the point is that this is... The commanders aren't good, but they're not a joke. No. They're not like the, the Panthers and the Bears and the Broncos. They're not a joke. They're going to be at home. They're a seven-point favorite. And as Luke Getzey was pointing out to us Tuesday morning, Patrick, they have two Pro Bowl defensive tackles. Yeah. They have two guys that were... Not This isn't like how we talk about Eddie Jackson being a Pro Bowl safety and it was like five years ago. These guys
0: were Pro Bowl defensive tackles last year. Mm -hmm. And Tevin Jenkins may or may not be there to push back against them. I I think the Bears' big picture are a better team with Tevin Jenkins uh, at left guard and Cody Whitehair at center and Lucas Patrick not playing. I think it is fair to wonder after Tevin has come off of IR, or he was allowed to return to practice on Monday off of IR uh, in time to get here for a walkthrough Monday, Monday. A walk through Tuesday, and a light practice Wednesday. It's fair to wonder whether that's enough to get him up to speed to play. Yeah, uh, Lugetti made it sound like, oh, hey, you know, it's possible. Sure, um, I, I'm not sure that I sense any certainty there. But boy, a healthy Tevin Jenkins would make that battle against you know a great defensive line a little more fair. Thanks I thought
1: them. I thought he was their best offensive lineman last season. Mm-hmm. Tevin was, which is amazing if you think about him having to make the moves right. that he's had to make since being drafted by the Bears from left tackle to right. right tackle and then inside the guard and at one point last year it was very logical to think he would just be straight up cut yep or or have to be traded have to be out somehow cuz there just wouldn't be a spot for him ends up being there changing to a new position very very late at right mm-hmm. guard uh, you, you and have, is their best offensive yep. lineman pet i Think they have conveyed confidence on him coming back for this game for a while. I've seen him working out. We walk past the practice field on our way from the media room to the locker room every day, and there have been a couple of days where he's been out there running. Um, and it, and it, I don't think that if Tevin Jenkins – I don't think he would have necessarily missed four games, but I think that if, if he had not had to go on IR, for example. But I think they saw the possibility of him missing at least two mm-hmm. and thought, let's – save a roster spot here, especially when you're carrying seven wide receivers at the time. Um, It's not a
0: problem anymore, Jason.
1: Well, I would imagine Tevin gets activated Thursday and then Chase Claypool leaves Thursday one way or the other, um, or in some other sequence, but that would be like a corresponding roster move because Tevin's not on the 53 at the moment. But, Matt Eberflus indicated he would he was that everything was pointing toward Tevin being able to play this week. But the thing I think you're one of the things I think you're getting at that mm-hmm. would be a concern is I would expect Tevin Jenkins playing his first game mm-hmm. after being out this long. It'll be a little rough at first against this level of competition. These two defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely rough. He might get his footing eventually in the game, but I would imagine that would be a big concern in the first quarter.
0: The question is: That still an upgrade uh, over what you got?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: I th- I think it is. Oh you, gosh, yes. You know when you mentioned earlier with Chase Claypool, turn on the film, man. If oh. you were, if you were, you know, you mentioned earlier that with Claypool, you re- you rarely see. I mean, I've never seen a player told to just get away while still being on the active roster right. for two weeks. Yeah. No, no chance. Um, and Lord knows, I've never seen that then turn out okay uh, for everybody involved. Tevin Jenkins wasn't there. But there was, as you mentioned, there was a there was a real time during training camp last year where you wondered whether or not they were even going to bother with him, Uh, and and that got patched up real quick. In part because he accepted that he was not a left tackle or that he wasn't going to be put at left tackle right away, and in part because uh, you know he worked hard to stay as healthy as he had been for the start of you know the season. That didn't last, and maybe it won't last here either. But you know, it, it took work from both the player and the organization to find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. In the chase, in the case of Chase Claypool, uh, I don't think it's a two-way street.
1: Well, I've heard of Tevin Jenkins being drafted too high, being overrated. I've heard of him being out of position at the wrong, you know, at the wrong position. I've heard of him being hurt. Yep. I've never heard about Tevin Jenkins not trying, not being a worker. Yep. And, and I, he now goes down, Pat, as an incredible success story for Poles and Iberflus and their staff when they don't have a ton. Like that is a huge success that they were able to make some, not just make something out of that, but like convert him from player who might not make the roster to like stalwart left guard. That's really good. And it's really good for Tevin.
0: Like Tevin could have a long career at this position if he stays healthy. Also, this stuff is really hard. I mean, they they signed, or they or draft him to take Charles Leno's spot at left tackle. Ryan Pace drafted him to be the left tackle for the next decade. And talk about, you know, Charles Leno's been... I don't like it when athletes talk about being disrespected because I think that's trite. But I think Charles Leno was the most disrespected, decent Bears football player in the 10 years I've They've season. missed him. They've missed him, and uh, Bears fans who used to complain every week that Charles Leno was the problem... I think would probably kill to have him right now. But they they draft him to take Charles Lano's place. He hurts his back, uh, you know, his rookie year and never really gets out there. Then he goes to right tackle. Then he goes to right guard. And Nate Davis gets signed this offseason, Jason, to play right guard, uh, which was Tevin's job. So Tevin is now going to left guard. Tevin has never played a regular season at left guard, best I can...
1: Uh, That's another tough part of this. Yeah. yeah,
0: is that this, you know, Luke Getze can say, and he's right... That getting him back into the fold is okay because he's not a new guy. He knows the system. He knows his teammates. This is a new position for him. I still
1: think it's better than what they're doing, right? It's really a matter of do you want Lucas Patrick or do you want Tevin Jenkins? And Tevin Jenkins, even with all of these... Very valid question marks that you're bringing up. I still want him in there over Lucas Patrick.
0: Yeah, I think I would too. Uh, let's talk about picks real quick. So Whitehair moves to center. Whitehair would scenario, move to, obviously. to center. And the other thing too that's going to make this tough is Larry Borum is the left tackle. I think he's been okay through two weeks, but I, I'm not sure he's ever – I mean, if uh, Tevin Jenkins' left guard position is new, the guy on the left-hand side of him, he's played next to him on the right-hand side. He's never played next to him on the left-hand side before. I think there's a challenge that comes with that. Real quick, I want to talk about Justin Fields. I know I teased making picks, but we will make them quickly. I really liked uh, schematically and just philosophically what they tried to do on Sunday, and I think I would have liked it even if they were stopped, you know, a lot more often than they were by the Broncos. I, I think running up the middle is something I have you know, I was hammering the last week, uh, and, and they did, uh, and then getting Justin on the move made a lot of sense. Some of the deep stuff was really good is this something that can carry over against a defense that you know as we said is better than the broncos but that doesn't make them good they're okay they're maybe
1: yeah um this is a tough thing to sort through pat because i feel like their progress is inflated by having played the only defense in the league worse than their own Mm -hmm. but they can only play who they play Mm -hmm. and so justin fields lighting up a team that he's supposed to light up, yep. that's progress. That is good. You do want to see that. Yep. Whether he can continue that against closer to the middle, like the average defenses, mm-hmm. I, that's just, that has not been seen. He just has not shown you that at any point in his career that he can be a consistent, effective passer against like medium to good defenses. Now that doesn't mean that he can't. Right. But he hasn't shown you that yet, and he didn't show you that Sunday. He just kind of took an easy, uh, took a layup where there was one to take. And good for him that he was able to, but this is a step up, and some of the defenses coming up down the road are a step up.
0: So what do you think they're going to do on Thursday night at a scenic FedEx field? I will point out that FedEx field is not scenic at all.
1: When people ask me if Soldier Field is the worst stadium
0: in the NFL, the one I always think of is this one. Oh, this one oh FedEx is worse than Soldier <laughs> Field, absolutely. Yeah, my favorite one is, uh, and I'm sure Bears fans can sympathize because just getting from from Michigan from Michigan Avenue to the stadium is a haul on foot. But if you are taking the train from downtown Washington D.C. to FedEx Field, not only can you only get within about a mile and a quarter of the stadium. But the walk is uphill. Bring a completely uphill.
1: Bring like a walking stick.
0: Yeah, bring like a hiking pole. It's a mess, which is too bad because so much of Washington D.C. is so perfectly accessible by like right. you. You could go see every great thing in D.C. on yeah. the train, except for uh, their garbage uh, football stadium in Landover, Maryland. Uh, anyway, back to the picks.
1: I don't think the Bears will win. Okay, I, I think that they will be reasonably competitive because Washington is flawed. But I think every team, every time you're, if you're a Bears fan, you're probably looking at these games and be like, oh, this one's winnable. Every team is looking at you the same way, even more so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're a pork chop, uh, too. So Washington's
1: looking at this and being like, this is our week to score 30 again, or yeah. 35, or whatever. Every team, every offense especially, is eyeing this defense.
0: Yeah, you, you've you got them at 30-27 commanders. I've got it at 35-31 commanders. I think we're both... Thinking the same thing is that this Bears offense, uh, at least in my version of this, uh, they seem to have a clue. Uh, Maybe there's a garbage touchdown late that makes this a little closer than it would have been otherwise. Um, But I mean, could you imagine two weeks ago picking the Bears to score 31 or 27 points? It would have been, uh, you know, we would have had to drug test ourselves probably. Quite a leap. Yeah, but uh, Rick Rick Morrissey's got him at 34-24. Scoop Jackson's got him at 38-14. Mark Potash... I'll let you know when he gives me the score. Maybe we'll have to update oh, we don't that. Have it. Okay. Let's update that in post. All those people you say, were saying,
1: everyone has picked Washington. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Why wouldn't they? I. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you can pick the Bears in anything right now. I mean, the next time that it looks like you would make a good case to pick the Bears would be when they host Carolina, the other winless team. Right. And, and it's just giving them the edge cuz they're at home and they don't have a rookie quarterback.
0: As you and I sit here on Tuesday, October 3rd, the Bears are 3 full weeks from today away from getting to the full a full calendar year since their previous win. Can
1: you believe that though? If you think about that Carolina game when they host Carolina, I don't remember what week that is, but it's a Thursday night game, bet.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they could both be 0 and 8 or whatever, uh, 0 and 10, whatever it is at that point in the season. 10. And America will watch that game. That all, will be the only football game on that night. It's
0: also a win-win situation if you're the Bears because you have their yeah. draft pick. Is a tie mutually beneficial or or mutually harmful? Or I, neither? I don't know. We have to research that. We're definitely going to have to look into that. That might be the most interesting thing we've got going into that week is go find a mathematician and ask them uh, what, what the good outcome here is for the Bears. But we will uh, be back on late, 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 late Thursday night to break down... What happens to the Commanders and the Bears, unless, of course, there's an emergency podcast. Uh, Jason, it's only 48 hours between now and the game, but... Uh, We're not
1: doing one for Chase Claypool leaving. If We've the, covered that. If the Bears, if that's, the ba- a, that's a given.
0: If the Bears have taught us anything, Jason, it's not to presume smooth sailing here for the next two days. Anyway, he's Jason Leisure. I'm Pat Finley. Uh, you can check us out on the SunTimes website uh, on your social media app of choice. And uh, if you're in town, buy a paper. Uh, Mark Potash is working, uh, but he sends his regards, I'm sure. Uh, And for Jason, I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening.